0: Welcome to Imperfect Action. I'm Brock Edwards, and this show is all about getting unstuck, getting out of your own way, taking action, moving forward, and building momentum as you go. Whether you're running your own business, or you're starting a side hustle, or you're just taking on a very important project in your life, this is the show for you. This is a show where we talk to regular people who are up to extraordinary things and find out how do they do it, because that's what I take inspiration from. When I see people just like me, and I think, Man, if they can do it, I can do it too. So listen in, join in the journey, and let me know, how are you moving forward? What actions are you going to take right now today? This is Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards, and today my guest is Jason Womack. And Jason, I'm just going to let you jump in and introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what are you about, and what do you spend your time doing?
1: I love the title of this podcast. What a journey we are all on. So the imperfect looking back started off as a high school teacher, realized early on that I loved the learning process, but I wasn't a fan of how it was being done in the public education program, the public education system of California. So about 18 years ago, I left the public school classroom. I got into private education. And by that, I mean now I travel around the world. I work in conference rooms. I work in conference halls. Uh, Gosh, I've worked in churches and hospitals and military bases. But essentially, Brock, I spend my time sitting down with people who know that one year from today, they need to be better at what they are and how they do what they are. And then I get to help them over that time. Wrote a few books. Uh, The first book I wrote was called The Promise Doctrine. That was all about the significance of keeping and uh, making and keeping your word. And I looked at what happened inside of organizations, whether that was a Fortune 500 company, a nonprofit, or even a family. And what I did is I unpacked what happens when someone does and says what they said they were going to do. And it's magic. Uh, the next book i wrote was called your best just got better and that was a field guide to personal and professional development so if someone knows that uh, a year from now they want to be better at kind of navigating their not necessarily brock their job but their career that would be the book that they would want to grab and then the most recent book i co-authored with my wife And business partner and best friend and uh, gosh, everything else in my life. Jody and I wrote a book called Get Momentum, How to Start When You're Stuck. And what we found there is that people get stuck in two different things. They've got a project, they keep wishing they had time to work on. Maybe that's what we talk about in this podcast, because they're waiting until things are perfect before they start. Or there's a change that they know they want to make, but their current circumstances are not supporting them in making that change. So bottom line, I get to work with folks who know that they want to be better than they currently are.
0: Wow. So um, that, that Jason, so, I so much to, to go from right Where there. Start, right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. Um Yeah. So, you know, normally I, I would ask you kind of uh, about the, the realities of, of being an author. In fact, I, I will just ask you, you know, What, what are the realities there? Cause that doesn't sound easy. So, so you're, you're an author, you're, you're a speaker, trainer, facilitator. Um, you, you work with your wife, which, I mean, there's a whole host of questions right there, um, on, you know, how how does that play out? You you know, just like co-authoring a book is, I would imagine I haven't done it. I'm going to imagine hard enough. I've done, you know, group school projects, that kind of thing. And doing it with someone that, um, for better or worse, and generally better, you've still got to deal with them after you stop working on it. <laughs> you know, we,
1: we almost wanted to write a book that was called "Sleeping with the Boss." We just didn't know who would be the boss.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: it, it's it's fascinating because people have a, an immediate reaction when we say that we work and live and love together, uh, and and it's I won't try and do a percentage. Um, more often than not, I hear someone or I watch them look at me, and the body language kind of does that shock, like oh my gosh, I could never work with my spouse, to which I will always respond, good that you know now. (laughs) It's not for everybody. Because to your point, Jody and I have a very difficult slash interesting decision to make, not just at the end of the workday, not just when we sit down next to each other on an airplane, not just when we're at a family reunion all the time. Do we talk about work or life? Do we talk about my family or hers? Do we talk about the clients that I'm meeting with next month, the client that Jody just met with this morning? Uh, And then I believe you and Jody. So for those of you listening, Brock had an interview with Jody where you talked about the three kinds of conversations that you can have. I think you guys talked about this. You can have transactional, relationship building, and opportunity kinds of conversations. So if you got me started, and you said, Jason, how do you work together, together? And by the way, this is whether or not you're working with your partner, your spouse, your best friend, or you've got a boss that you like to work for, or a boss that you're looking to figure out how to quit. The three kinds of conversations you have in a day have to be managed well. And maybe we'll just go off on this for a moment, because this is a tool that everybody can use. When you sit down with someone, when you're on the phone with someone, heck, when I'm sending an email, right before I click send on the email, Brock, I ask myself, is this a transactional email? Is this a relationship-building email? Or is this an opportunity discovery email? Those are different conversations. So if someone asks me what our current rates are or what the book is about – I need to transact with them. I need to go find an email from my sent items that I typed last week that answered that question, copy and paste. If someone says, hey, Jason, what are your rates or what's your book about? But I have a relationship with them or I am looking to create more trust and more connection with them. Maybe I'll add a couple of paragraphs more to that email. Maybe I'll spend a little bit more time researching them on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter because I want to connect not just the information, but I want to go to that deeper human connection level. Uh, as far as the opportunity, I mean, gosh, if if you're looking out at 6 to 12 to 18 months from now, um, what's, what's, what's that thought I had the other day? Everyone wants things to have worked They're always worried about whether they're going to work, right? I want that book that I'm about to read to help me with ideas, but I'm worried about do I need to read those 200 pages or or, or can I skip it? And and that goes to do with anything, right? Someone sends you a link to a TED Talk. You're like, oh, man, I hope this 15-minute TED Talk is worth it. I don't have 15 minutes. And so we're always on that balancing act. I want things to have worked, but I'm worried about whether or not they're going to work, which maybe that's why I'm such a huge fan of year over year, always finding your next mentor, always finding your next teacher, and always finding your next coach. And by the way, those are very different people in my mind. I know I talked about this at Awesome Palooza when we were together earlier this year. A coach is someone that I hire one-on-one or even small group but I pay her or him a lot to learn something specific. A teacher, that's someone who's hosting a course, hosting a class. Uh, they may be coming to Los Angeles. I can drive to them. Maybe they're speaking in Philadelphia. I have to fly to them. A mentor, when we sit down to learn together, we split the bill when it comes. So that concept of surrounding yourself by people who will help you look at what's imperfect Because they are two to four to ten, call it months, weeks, months, years, decades out in front of you. And they can look back and go, oh, oh, I remember when what I was doing was imperfect. Uh, And by the way, the most successful people that I've ever hung out with, I don't know if they would say that what they're doing is perfect now. I would say that it has been continually iterated on. And so it's surrounding myself by people who are just a little bit further out ahead of me that I can um, run alongside or maybe behind. But the key factor is, are they willing to lend their hand back and help me across that stream? Are they willing to help me across that bridge?
0: So I'm going to jump in right there, Jason. And, um, wow, so anyone listening to this podcast, I mean, I I don't – normally like to speak for people, but I'm gonna go with a safe assumption that anyone who is listening to this show wants to be better a year from now than they are today. You know, no no one is going to want to be worse. No one is going to want to be stagnant where they are. They're going to want to be better. And one of the things I hear you saying there is that a a key piece of that, and there's a lot there, but a, a key piece is surrounding yourself with people who are a little bit better than you, who can encourage you, who can pull you along, who can act as a role model. And I am probably putting words in your mouth at this point, but this is how I'm kind of hearing this and thinking through it. So awesome. And how do I do that? How do I find people who are better than me to run along with? I, it's a great question. I'll I'll give you two stories that could just
1: kind of give you something to think about everybody listening. So when I knew I wanted to be an author, I wanted to write and I wanted to get paid for my writing. So what I did is I went around the world and I said, hey, who's getting paid for writing that I can talk to? And it wasn't necessarily a conscious thing, but it just showed up in more and more of my conversations. So this one morning, I'm finishing up a swim workout at the local gym and I started talking about, oh, I'm working on this writing project. And the guy that was in the lane next to me says, oh, I write books. And I said, "Wow, you know, really?" And I didn't. I didn't really buy it. I'll, I'll be very transparent. It's like I knew the guy um, in the pool, and uh, anyway, I went to Amazon that afternoon. He'd written forty-seven books. <laughs> so the next, the next swim workout, I I, I swam in the lane next to him a little bit closer this time. And I said, hey, Larry, could 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 we have coffee one morning? And uh, he said, sure. And I remember that that one conversation, and it wasn't that he told, Brock, he didn't tell me what to do. He didn't tell me how to do it. He didn't tell me what a writer looks and sounds and feels like. All I remember was the feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm sitting across from someone who has written 47 of these things, and I'm working on number one. And over the years, that was maybe 17, 16 years ago. Now, over the years, I've consistently gone back to Larry. We've consistently gone back to, sat, to sit down over a cup of coffee or over a video chat. And and he helps. Uh, the oh, yeah. next story that
0: I would Jim, say, yes. Before you jump into that story, I don't want to hear the next one. But I, I just, it, it so amuses me. And I so love that the the guy next to you, Larry, was just like, oh, yeah, I write books. you know, some stuff down I write some stuff down occasionally. I <laughs> Um,
1: And and, I mean, the greatest thing about this is, uh, he's completely dyslexic. Uh, On his own, he volunteered, he did four tours as an army ranger in Vietnam. He had been through by that time, I think three marriages with kids from each wife. And so it was just it was a, a kaleidoscope of different than me. But We shared this common denominator, want to write. And so that was a huge aha for me. Now, the second one, and and relative to your question of how how do you do that, right? How do you find someone who's willing to lend their hand back and help you across the river, help you across the bridge? Here's the most important thing that I discovered in the past probably decade. I don't need to know my mentors. I don't. There's mentors that I've learned from over the past decade and a half that I have never nor will ever meet. So, for example, uh, monthly, and I probably do this if I'm very, very transparent with myself. I bet you I do this seven to eight months a year. Uh, I pick a biography. And for that month, uh, this is September, I'm studying Richard Feynman this month. Uh, for Ooh, that month, I dive in deep. And I read as much, watch as much, learn as much, listen to as much, talk about as much as I can about that person. So earlier this year, it was Leonardo da Vinci. Late last year, it was Mary Kay Ash. I've studied people like Benjamin Franklin. I've studied people like Seneca. I've studied – basically, if – well, this is the question I ask, right? Have you ever gone to that biography section of the bookstore? Did you ever see that biography about that one guy – who didn't really do anything and, and had a really easy life and um, had all the money that his parents gave him and he just kind of, no, you didn't read that biography, right? <laughs> we, we didn't get that story. We, we, we got the story of Benjamin Franklin. He had 17 brothers and sisters and and, and he played chess, but he never really got good at it and, and, and he spoke different languages because he was just interested in how the world worked. Um, Bruce Lee, there's another one, right? I didn't get to meet the guy, but by the time he was my age, Actually, by the time he was my age, he was dead for seven years, right? I mean, this guy, before he made it out of his 30s, he had revolutionized how people look at motion picture development, uh, choreography, uh, filmmaking. Oh, yeah. He also created a whole school of, of martial arts. So please don't get hung up on the fact that you don't have a mentor that's going to meet you for coffee, that you don't have someone who's willing to listen to you dream or complain. Subscribe to magazines, but follow the editor. Go to conferences and make sure you show up early and stay late. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to conferences. I'll look around and there will be someone, if it starts at 9, there'll be someone who shows up at 9.04. And if it ends at 4, they're out of there at 3.56. Here's the issue. Most of what you're going to learn happens between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. or 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. because those are the like-minded folks that I want to hang around.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I, I've noticed, so I, I, I love that advice, Jason. And you know, in the, the little bit of speaking, I've done one of the cool things I found is that all the speakers are really down to earth. You know, yes, there are kind of a few of the rock stars who fly in and fly out and are only there for that that moment. But at most conferences, speakers are really approachable. They want to talk about that stuff.
1: Everyone that I've ever met wants to help. They're just worried about two things. Number one, will people listen to the advice they give? Number two, will they work the advice that they got? And so, as a mentor, as a coach, as a teacher, and right, just you know, if you but if if we split the bill when it comes, then we're in a mentoring session. If you hire me for my year-long coaching academy, I'm your coach, and if you come to one of my classes, I'm your teacher. Everyone that I've ever brought into my world before, I excuse me, before I start working with them, I give them a hurdle. I find something that I need them to do as the entry ticket into that conversation so can I give you a quick example Oh absolutely so in our coaching academy whoops, sorry about that in our coaching academy we meet with each member we your members of our program we, each with, we meet with each member for 15 minutes a month every single month for a year now along the way we're doing some other stuff together we're, we're working through email and text messaging. In those 15-minute meetings, we're going to dive into the agenda that you wrote up for me 24 or more hours ahead of time. Well, here's the deal. I created this agenda form that in order to fill out that agenda completely, it will take you about 30 minutes. So you're going to prepare for 30 minutes for our 15-minute session. Now, someone asked me recently, Jason, where'd you get this model from? Well, I got it from when I was a university student, and someone gave me the advice. They said, you need to study for two hours for every one hour you're in class. And maybe that's how I got through college the way that I did. So I just said, great, if I'm gonna meet with someone for 15 minutes, They need to have spent 30 minutes preparing for that session. Well, over the years, here's the surprise, over and over and over again. I'll get the agenda. uh, Sharon will send it in, say, hey, Jason, here's the agenda for our meeting tomorrow. Uh, I don't need to have the meeting, which to me was a huge win. All of a sudden, because they did the work that they would have done in the meeting, they're already Well, sorry, they've got momentum. They're creating that movement forward. So for those of you listening, before you sit down with a mentor, a coach, a teacher, before you open a book that you think you want to read, before you click on that masterclass or that TED Talk that you're going to pay for or watch for free, spend those extra minutes ahead of time asking yourself, what is it that I need to get from this? And what is it that I'm going to give to this? What information am I going to get and what action
0: am I going to give? And I just allowed uh, dead air to happen there because I was writing notes there. Um, so <laughs> what, what 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 am I get, getting from it? What do I want to get from it? And what can I give to it? What action am I going to yeah, take? Yeah,
1: it's, it's basically the noun and the verb. So I'm going to get a bunch of nouns from the book I'm reading, the conference I'm attending, the person that I'm talking with. I'm going to hear her story. I'm going to gather his experience. They're going to share with me how they, what they, where they, when they did, then I need to translate that. I need to, um, uh, with my hands, I'm making kind of like this, I'm I'm modeling the clay, I'm warming the clay. I need to take that information because look at, uh, I love a good inspirational speech as anybody does. I I wouldn't mind hearing about someone who climbed to Mount Everest. I'm not going to climb to Mount Everest. Okay. I don't care. I don't like the cold, and I like to breathe. Now, that was inspirational for that person, but what I need to do is I need to translate that into what is my peak that I'm climbing toward. And my peak that I'm climbing toward in example may be different, but in action, what can I find that I can align with? What can I do that gets me moving Forward, you know. If I if I if I ask myself what gets in the way of most people having more productive days, they're writing the wrong things on their to do list. Quite frankly, most people write down nouns on their to do list when they should be writing verbs. Uh, th- the whole other topic that we could talk about.
0: So I, I'm going to jump in there, Jason, because uh, all of what you're talking about assumes the person knows where they want to go. And obviously that's important because otherwise you don't end up there. Um, But so I'm going to back up and ask a little question. So what advice would you, you now? you've had, you know, kind of a couple of careers here and what advice would you give like to a college freshman, you know, Mm -hmm. someone who's like 18, Mm -hmm. 20 years old, trying to figure things out going, you know, the fate of my entire universe depends on making the right career decision at this moment.
1: Hmm. You had me until the last part. I was I was
0: nodding my head until that last part. Um, and I and I may just know too many high school seniors, college right. freshmen right now because of my kids. And you know, right. I, I think it feels overwhelming on where to go. And absolutely, and
1: and let's get rid of the word think. Uh, it is overwhelming. However, I know some seventy year olds who are overwhelmed by what they're going to be in the next decade. I know some forty-year-olds who are overwhelmed by what they're going to be in the next decade. I know some twenty-year-olds that are
0: overwhelmed. So, so let's move this out of the age category, right. then. And for and let's go anyone, era.
1: yeah, you know, in I want era where I can swipe through someone else's life that looks like it's better than mine. Right? That's that's just swipe through someone else's life. First of all, um, tamp that down just a little tiny bit. Uh, on my on my iPhone, I actually removed all of my social media apps. They're just off my phone. Um, I have to swipe three screens to even check email on my phone. So the first thing that I would suggest is don't stop doing anything. Make the easy thing hard, and the hard thing easy. What do I mean by that? Let's take a look at that 18, 20, 22-year-old about to enter in the middle of or about to finish college. I love work. I mean, I taught high school. That was my that, That's why I was put on the planet. Now I've just figured out a way to get to the parents and to the advisors and to the superintendents a little bit more. There's a question we ask in that book that you and Jody talked about, Your Best Just Got Better. There's a question we ask called, what do you want to be known for? Now, before you freak out and you start to think, oh my goodness, why I'm on the planet? I don't know. I don't want to think about this. That's why I started this discussion, Brock, with the the time frame, a year. And then we don't make it up. So what we do is we say, great, let's pick some roles. So let's take that middle of a college career student. They're two or three years into a four or six-year program. And you ask yourself, as a junior in college – Over the next one year, what do I want to be known for? Hmm, Maybe I need to be more specific. As a resident assistant and a junior in my academic career, over the next year, what do I want to be known for? If you're an athlete, as a second string ball player, over the next year, what do I want to be known for? My suggestion would be minimum, you're going to want to run seven or so through your Quote unquote professional life, and then seven of these through your personal life. Can I give you just a couple examples? Is that okay? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'm curious about what do you mean by seven? So uh, I, I, people always ask, you know, why seven or more? Because it's more than six, right? <laughs> the, the first three are always easy. So let me do the first couple. Um, okay. Professionally, I'm an author and a coach. Personally, I'm a husband and a son. So I can do things like I can do as an author over the next six months. I want to be known for submitting a new book proposal to my publisher. Boom. It's specific. It's measurable. It's action-oriented. It's realistic and it's timely, right? It's one of those smart goals. However, when I sit down with Larry or I sit down with Jody or I sit down with the person that I'm sitting next to on the airplane and in that discussion, I can put in there, well, I'm an author and I'm working over the next six months to get a new book proposal to my publisher. I've opened up the universe now to assist me. I've opened up the world to help me. I'm not saying to the universe, hey, would you help me become an author? As much as I'm saying, this is what I want to be known for. Well, wait a minute. What kinds of things does an author working on a book proposal have in front of him? Well, I've got my notebook.
0: I've got my pen. I've got a business card. I have a copy of my past book. Go ahead. Yeah, so I... I really appreciate where you've gone with this, you know, moving it from a goal, which is often feels like, yeah, it would be nice if this happened. Like it would be nice if I submitted a proposal to, this is what I'm going to be known for. Not just, I kind of want to do it, but you know, other people know this is how I know myself. This is identity kind of level stuff. Uh, you know, that's just a whole different ball game there. And, and I love how you've ramped it up. And it, 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 it-
1: Rolls down this concept of personal brand. Um, I'm, I'm quite frankly, I'm a little contrarian on the whole personal brand movement because I see a lot of materials, whether it's a website with three ways to build your brand or three ways to create your brand. Here's the problem: you already have one. You already have a brand, everybody, okay? Your teenage daughter or son has a brand. Your spouse has a brand. And if you're curious about what your brand is, just stand behind two people who know you when you're in a coffee shop and make sure they don't know you're behind them. And when they start talking about you, that's your brand, okay? You can say all day long, I'm a this, I'm a that. It's what the world says you are. You already have a brand. So my question to people is you have one of two options with your already existing brand. Option one, magnify it, okay? If people know me as an author, if people know me as a triathlete, if people know me as a husband that's just completely in love with his wife, I can either modify that or, I'm sorry, I can either magnify that or if there's something that I'm looking out and I'm seeing, hmm, the world is not really pointing at what it is that I want to step more fully into over the next one to two years. I can modify that. Now, the reason that I keep coming back to this one year thing, and, and look, if if some of you listening, if you can go further out, awesome. Uh, my, my I'll bow down to you. My hat is off to you. But my curvature of the horizon, Brock, about how far out that I can personally see into the future is about a year. Um four, five, six months. I mean, look, I've already got speeches on the calendar. Jody's already um, uh, signed some contracts for me to speak at some conferences, etc. cetera. Um, I already know about how many Get Momentum members that we're serving over the next 12 months. 24 months from now, little little more fuzzy. It's a, it's a little bit more unclear. Five years from now, holy cow, I don't know. It doesn't ma- It doesn't mean that I don't think that way. But when I ratchet it back and I give myself 7, 12, 15, what I call known for's, and that's the hashtag we use, by the way, known for, if I give myself 7, 12, 15 known for's career wise and life wise, now I'm letting my mentors, my coaches, my teachers, my universe, everyone around me and me know, here's where I'm stepping, uh, would, would you be willing to help? here's where I'm going. Here's, would you be willing to assist? And I'll just end it with this one, Brock. If you'll let me, and I I say this to everybody that I I get to speak with you too, those of you listening, if you'll let me know what you want to be known for, I know I'd help you. Mm -hmm. If you'll let me know what you want to be known for, I know what magazine to subscribe you to, or what book to ship you from Amazon. I know what conference to buy you a ticket to. I know what, what, what vacation to recommend you take. But if I don't know what you want to be known for, and I'm not just saying what are your goals for your future. As a student, as a junior in college, between now and the end of this year, what do you want to be known for? Now, all of a sudden, the universe can step in. Your parents can step in. Your colleagues can step in. Your counselor can step in. And they know how to help.
0: Yeah. And uh, I'm, mean, you know, kind of having a, a little bit of a, a mind blown moment and, you know, just because I love subtleties that that kick my head in a different direction and, you know, known for is so much different than what do you want to accomplish on the surface? It sounds the same. And yet how, how I imagine that playing out is so very, very different uh, you know what? Let me, let me jump in
1: and give you this one. So uh, I, I race triathlon. I've been racing triathlon for 17 years. And uh, last year, I had a goal, and I wanted to be known for uh, – I wanted to be known for um, – what's the word that they use? Qualifying to race in the nationals. So the uh, USAT has a national championships Olympic distance triathlon. So starting last January, I was on track to qualifying to race at nationals, right? I wanted to be known for qualifying to race at nationals. I added a more subtle spin to it, which was known as, watch this, Brock. I want to be known as a triathlete who trains healthy and safe. Well, I qualified to race at nationals. I got the email, said, Jason, you can come to Cleveland. You can race at the Olympic distance national championships. However, in May, I injured my arm. Well, wait a minute. I now had a, a, a cognitive dissonant situation. I wanted to be known for qualifying, which I did. I wanted to be known as training healthy and safe. So, I wrote the letter back to USAT. I said, I have to skip this year. Now, I've only qualified three years in the 18 that I've been racing. Mm. But I needed some kind of a um, a measurement tool that said, all right, what is not just the goal, not just the destination, but what is the direction that I'm going to go in?
0: What are the rules by which I'm going to play? Right. Right. Okay. Um, Jason, so... this has been amazing. Uh, you know, I, I feel like you've just condensed about a three-day workshop into thirty minutes, and you know, there, there's so much. As I just kind of look through my notes and my highlights here, I mean, you know, the idea of even just one year from today, how do you need to, how do you want to get better? I mean, that's so different than, oh yeah, I want to improve, and it's you know, it, it puts a timeline on it. It's, I love the idea of who's getting paid for doing what I want to do. That, that's pretty easy to look around, and 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 kind of see that and remove it. I don't know it, it to me. That's a very easy practical step. Not like I want a mentor and I don't know where to start, but here I have a place, an easy place to start. You know, the idea of magnifying or modifying the brand that you already have because you already do have one, and then getting into this known for, or known as. Um. All right. This has been awesome. Thank you. And I'm going to ask you two questions, two questions I like to ask everyone before we wrap up. You know, one, one is how can people find you? And the second question is, how can people help you? You've just helped a ton of people. How can they help you out?
1: Awesome. Please, let's continue the conversation. Uh, Find me on Twitter, Jason Walmack, or our website, getmomentum.com. You can sign up for our newsletter and our PDF download and all that cool stuff. And if I could ask, if you read either Your Best Just Got Better or Get Momentum, jump over to Amazon and Goodreads, and please leave us a review. We are only as good as what people find recently about us. And so if you get value from those materials, just throw a one or two paragraph little review up there with what you got from the book and what you did with the book. That would be
0: absolutely awesome. Thank you. Excellent. Jason, thank you so much for being on today. Hey, thank you for listening to Imperfect Action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What, what are you going to take from this show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by Nutrifit. Now, I tried Nutrifit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made NutriFit different is one, that it mixes immediately and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, NutriFit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives, Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that NutraFit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION. And that's written as one word, just Take Action. At checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on NutriFit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So NutriFit.net. And let me know what you think.